What's up? Welcome to another episode of Backbone Zone. Uh, thanks for joining me on this Monday morning. I just spent the weekend up in the Central Coast actually coaching uh, one of my young uh, students, I guess you would call call him. And it was a good time going up there. It was It's interesting, you know, BMX in this day and age is something where uh, I've you can coach someone and uh, as much as people would probably think that that's, you know, there's some people out there that would think maybe coaching is a little bit uh, not needed in BMX. It's pretty cool to be able to help out a rider to to see them, you know, achieve what they want to do and whether it's just for fun or not. Um, yeah, it's really cool to see. And there's been a lot of a lot of kids that have just stuck into BMX more because I've said this a few times with coaching. A lot of people now with the internet, you know, a lot of young kids, they'll jump on to a bike because they've seen someone on YouTube do it and they are like, man, I've only been riding for three or not I've only been, but I've been riding for one month and I I can't do this. And it's like a really cool way as a coach to come in and say, look, BMX is really, really hard, but that's partly why it's so fun is because it takes an entire lifetime to to not even learn. You can't really master BMX. I've never seen anyone master BMX, although there's been a few that you could certainly mention. Mike Kaken comes to comes to mind but you know there's a real opportunity for people in this new modern age with the age of the internet and with people needing uh gratification so fast you know young riders they jump onto a bmx they've been riding for a month they think they're no good and then you're able to say no no like you've only been doing this for a month like I'm going to show you some stuff that's then going to get you to be a foundational rider, have solid fundamentals, and then that way you can have fun for longer. So I think it's been really eye-opening with coaching for me to do that. But I actually today, I wanted to talk a little bit about bike setups. It's something that I'm always discussing with my friends, you know, different bike setups and whatnot. And I guess if you're just listening to this, I'll be showing a few video cues and just pictures along the way. So, you know, feel free to jump onto the YouTube channel and and check it out. But I am interested on bike setups because if you think about back in the day, uh, in the 80s, a lot of riders ran very small top tubes. I don't know if people know this. Younger riders may not know this, but the top tube length was shorter and the rear end length was much longer, but their bar height seemed to be similar in height to what we run today in 2022. So it's interesting in that way because what you found in the 80s is that the handlebars were kicked forward quite a bit. Now... This is what I want to get into because I think that the way that you set your bike up plays a huge role in the way that you ride. And this whole thing with, uh, say, bar setup and bike setup 
comes to my mind because of one picture that I had to find. And it's on Instagram. If you don't follow, there's an Instagram account called Real BMX. So it's real underscore B dot M dot X. And they just post, you know, what their interpretation of Real BMX is. And this photo that they've posted has stuck in my mind since I saw it. And I think I'd seen it once before somewhere, but, you know, for it to show up in my feed, and I, I literally think about it all the time, but I'd, I'd never saved it or anything like that. And I, it was quite funny to go uh, onto the internet today and search for it because it turns out it was from, uh, they posted it in 2017, which is five years ago. So it goes to show how much this one photo has resonated in my mind. So if you're watching it now, uh, or if you're just listening, I'll show you. Uh, this is the photo here. So it's of a rider, Mike Dominguez, who uh, I think rode for Haro, potentially Hutch back in the day. And for those that are just listening, it's basically in an old school uh, skate park that almost just resembles a drain. And then they've DIY concreted a quarter pipe out of the top of this drain. So the drain looks to be about maybe six foot. And then the quarter pipe that they've built on top of it is probably another six foot. And it's got about two feet of vert. And this dude is like, man, he's got to be like eight feet out of this thing just absolutely blasting it's huge i definitely recommend you go and check it out the post on real real bmx is from 9th of june 2017 and anyway mike dominguez obviously blasts but i'll bring up another photo here uh which is just on pinterest that i found this is when he was riding for hutch but what you can see is the alignment of his uh, bars with his forks while he's doing this look back, the bars are quite far forward. So he's running a short bike, but he's got his bars forward. And what I want to explore is the ramifications that having your bars knocked forward will do for your actual riding. Now, again, short bike, so you would think, oh, maybe he just needed to run his bars forward to give himself more room. But my, uh, I theorize that by having your bars forward like that, it puts your weight more forward over your front wheel, of course, which then allows you to stand more aggressively. And then it also allows you to tip your bike forward into the transition so that you can land smoother. I've always said this, and I'll go back to that photo uh, of Mike airing that DIY quarter. I feel like I have never seen people air as good as what they did in the 1980s. Now, people definitely air really, really well today, but I feel like that bar position has got a lot of, a lot to do with being able to have a shorter wheelbase but then have a uh, more aggressive stance and have you know, a more wide open bike the way that people used to air back back then is so mind-blowing like people um i'm sure if you haven't seen on uh say someone like dennis mccoy's instagram you know he's always posting 
footage from the late 80s, early 90s, and the airs just look so effortless, but they're going like 10 foot out, whereas 10 foot is no joke, especially on, you know, a quarter pipe that, that the quarter pipes that they were riding. So, yeah, the, the bar forward thing is, um, you know, a bit of a, bit of a crazy idea. I think back then we look at those bikes from the eighties and we're like, well, that, you know, again, they're small, so of course they needed to have more room. But then we start to push forward in time a little bit and we get to, say, the late 90s and maybe bars were getting a little bit smaller, of course. You know, S&M brought out the home, so that had a 21-inch top tube. Bikes are getting bigger and I think the triangles of the bikes, we go back, you know, the triangles of the of the bikes were starting to get going from being equal size like they were in the 80s to then the front triangle was a lot bigger than the rear triangle. And then, you know, we push forward to something that you'll see here, which is actually from a magazine that uh, I had back in the day. It's a Corey Anastasio bike check from, I think it would be like 1998 or maybe early 1999. And this is it here. So you can see, if you're just listening, his bars now are kicked back into his lap. So the if you were to talk about bar angle in line with the forks, his bars now are actually behind the angle of his forks. So even though he's running a bike that is theoretically longer in the top tube, he's actually now got less room in that cockpit area. So the cockpit would be you know the area between the seat and your grips as well as that the bars have gotten smaller at this point in time in the late 90s uh very early 2000s you know it was not uh uncommon to have say seven inch rise bars or 7.25 inch rise bars and if you were to watch Nastasio back then he was yeah, obviously killing it as well as a, a lot of other riders. You know, someone like Ryan Nyquist had uh, bars that were called Haro Slim Bars or there was the Knee Savers. But anyway, much smaller bars, but the way that they would ride um, was still amazing, but it was more, I guess, what you would call suited to dirt jumping. But my again, my theory is that that potentially uh, dictated the type of terrain that they were riding or the type of terrain dictated the way that they would set their bikes up. So if you think about trails or jumps back in the day, landings were mellower, everything was a little bit lower in height and there wasn't any deep necessity to dive into a steep landing compared to the jumps that you have today where you know if you were to look at east side um the the jumps are absolutely massive so uh and really really steep so i'll just bring it up Yeah, like if you were to look at landings now at, at, at Eastside, we're talking, 
super steep, almost like uh, almost like we're looking at like a a quarter pipe. And now, as jumps progress, we're starting to jump away from or move away from those uh, kickback bar style. So it's interesting to me because the idea now, if we look at the way that Nastasio's bike was in the 90s with that kickback bar and then if we were to compare it to, you know, pretty much his latest bike that I could find, this is it here. So he's now riding for Fit and I think he's got he's definitely got a signature bike, that Fit Metal Eagle, which is pretty cool. But, you know, his, his cockpit... Or sorry, his top tube length probably fairly similar to the when he was riding for Huffy, maybe a little bit longer. But now he's got taller bars, and his bars are much more further forward. And if you contrast the way, if anyone can remember the way Nastasio rode in the nineties and early two thousands compared to the way that he rides today, even though he's older, he's actually much more active on his bike. And my theory is that it's because he's got a more aggressive stance over the, over his front wheel. So for those that maybe haven't thought about this, when you're riding BMX, everything tends to happen through the front wheel and this would be a good way to get back into why I or a part of how I coach you know, we definitely use our legs to pump and drive through the quarter pipe or drive off the lip uh, and also to pump to maintain speed. You're definitely using your legs. But the more um, the more active you are through your you know, shoulders, upper back and using your arms, basically the top half of your body to, to drive through whatever it is that you're riding, you've got more ability to maneuver your bike around and then when you couple that with coming into steep landings, the ability to be a little bit more over the front while still being uh, safe, it feels a lot safer. You know, if you were to have, say, if Nastasio was to have his bars back in his lap, but then was to push his bike so that his bars pushed forward while he was diving into a landing, he would f- literally be like, vertical with his front wheel facing the ground and his back wheel dead up into the air before his his bars got to 90 whereas with his current setup with the bars forward like that he's able to use his bike to push forward and he's got like still a safe position with his wheels but he can be a bit more aggressive with his bars also the thing that it does is it allows you to do the opposite and when you're pulling back off the lip you can pull back harder without looping out so if you were if you had your bars back in the lap and you pulled back because your bars are so much closer to the back axle which is one of the pivot points on your bike you're more likely to go up in the air and um and sort of feel a bit more loop out or stallion or whatever you want to call it um so yeah, it's it's interesting to think about the way that 
bike setup and not just top tube length and rear end length can determine the way that your bike feels. I have certainly uh, not necessarily fallen victim to, but I have had bars just a little bit back of the forks back in the day because I grew up, you know, idolizing dirt jumpers uh, and, you know, obviously Nastasio was one of my uh, biggest influences back in the day and uh, everyone ran their bars either in line with their forks or slightly kicked back, it seems, like back in the lap. And now, you know, my current bike, I certainly don't have it as far forward as Nastasio, but if you can sort of see, I've got, um, yeah, my bars are quite far forward of the forks and that is still with me uh, riding a, a pretty big bike. So th- this is where the that really cool individual style and uh, individual preference of BMX comes into play. You know, when you... I think that the tall bar and the forward bar isn't just a street riding thing. You know, if you're riding transition or you're riding jumps, having your bars slightly forward, I think, can help with so much of being able to pinpoint your your bike going into the into the landing and gives you essentially more room without without changing the wheelbase of your bike. So on my current bike I have a pretty long back end for those that don't know, you know, I, for for modern day I have a 14 point it's about 14.4 is where I sit my my wheel. But individually you know, I've got really long reach, so I've got really long arms and I think that that plays into why I want a, a long back end. It's just something, you know, to think about when you, I guess when you're choosing your, your next bike um, and just fun to think about that you can kick your bars forward and just see, oh, maybe that does feel a little bit better. Of course, you know, we're all creatures of of habit, I guess. We would, you know, if you've done a thousand reps with your handlebars one way, a thousand jumps, you know, a thousand runs at the skate park with your handlebars in a particular position on your bike and then you move them forward, it's obviously going to take a little bit to get used to it. And sometimes we can think that we enjoy something better just because we're more used to the way that it was but uh yeah i would be interested to know what the correlation is um between moving your bars forward and airing higher or being able to come into landings better because you know looking back at that photo of mike dominguez from 1980 something and all of the riders that came around that era and even vert riders, you know, up until uh, fairly recently and even Jamie Beswick, if you were to look at him now, he's a little bit from the old the old school um, in terms of vert riding but he's obviously still just kills it today but his bars are, are much further forward than some of the other uh, vert riders of today. So, yeah, if you're wondering, maybe you can't air quite high enough and maybe you want to 
give it a shot, then certainly uh, could suggest maybe just knocking those bars forward just a touch. I know it made a huge difference to my riding when I started putting them forward. And um, yeah, now they, my bars sit probably just on vertical, I'd say, to the ground. So, you know, perpendicular to the ground, maybe a tiny bit back. But uh, yeah, it's not all it's not all top tube length and um, and rear end length that can determine the way that your bike feels and the way that you're riding. Certainly, your bars play a huge part. But just something I wanted to talk about. I, admit, I as always, really really interested to hear your thoughts. Again, uh, we can learn so much from the riders of the past. You know, I think that we need to celebrate our legends uh, more in BMX and I wish that it was easier to find, uh, you know, that old school footage. Obviously, people didn't have phones back in the day. They weren't filming on the gram constantly, but the photos that you see um, from the 1980s still hold up in terms of the the blast ability and the even the tricks that they're doing like i don't know anyone that can just do 10 foot high 540s or whatever like uh some of these guys used to do especially on ramps that are only like eight foot wide and, and whatnot so yeah don't forget the past you can learn so much from it and uh, i think the modern age our bikes are better than they've ever been and the geometry i think is is super spot on well at least I love my frame, but yeah, the um, yeah, just taking a little bit of of knowledge from the the guys that were just figuring it out. And again, real BMX the the Instagram page kind of put it perfectly. They, I read one where he uh, said that style before they even knew to try, and that's such a perfect way of looking at it. If you were to think that all these guys were just trying to figure it out so they're not even really worried about what their bike looks like they're just worried about trying to go high they're trying to think about how to tweak tricks and their style flowed naturally out of them so you know i think um that's a perfect example of Corey Nastasio today when you first look at his bike you think wow that's like not what i would expect from Nastasio but then you watch him ride and i think you know, in his mid-40s, however old he is now, I think maybe 44 or something, he's riding better and he's more active on his bike than he ever has been, which to me, if you're maneuvering your bike around like that, uh, then you are riding better than better than you ever have. So anyway, give the bars a try or not. Be interested to know what you think. Uh, always love, you know, discussing bmx stuff like this so if you've got any ideas on what to talk about in terms of uh, bike setup i'm all ears but anyway do me a favor uh, like the video subscribe to the podcast give us a review be back next week and have a good one